0: All right. Again, it's good to be back with you here this morning. Uh, Today, I decided to preach from the book of Romans. So let's turn in God's word to Romans chapter 15. And this morning we'll be looking closely at verse 13. While you're turning there, I know how much we are all thankful for 2020 to be behind us. It was a rough and difficult year. And I doubt any of us will forget the the struggles or the hardships that we have endured over the past year. But uh, one thing for those of you who spend time in social media probably enjoyed in the midst of the difficulties, was that 2020 brought its fair share of funny memes. Uh, These pictures that would have words over them that would cause you to laugh as you reflected on how difficult the year was. And uh, so one of my favorites, you guys know I grew up in the 80s. I'm a big uh, 80s nostalgic buff, and so a well-known movie from the 80s, Back to the Future, where uh, Marty McFly is uh, sent back in time Uh, You have a picture then uh, from the movie of Marty McFly, and he's getting into the DeLorean time machine when Doc Brown says to him, listen carefully, Marty, whatever you do, don't set it to 2020. Or maybe you've seen the one that is labeled 2020 with a couple simply staring ahead at a dumpster fire. Or there's the latest one, which says the year 2020, or sorry, the year 2021, now that 2020 has become another year older and can get drunk. It makes us wonder about the year ahead. But 2020 was a difficult year for our church as well. And of course, we're not alone. According to the Barna Group and their research, They're estimating that one in five churches will likely close within the next 18 months. And as I remember our own struggles over the past year, and as I look ahead to the coming year, let me share with you from my own pastoral perspective of Cornerstone Fellowship Church in the year ahead. Because as I have reflected on where we are as a church, I was drawn to this verse of Scripture. So I want us to spend some time looking at it this morning. So let's read together Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us... Once again, go before our Lord in prayer before we continue. Lord, oh Father, how we need hope. In the midst of everything that has taken place, in the midst of all the uncertainty that we are experiencing, in the midst of the ongoing struggles, We continue to wrestle over. We need hope. So, Father, we pray that you will give us this hope through your word this morning as your spirit works among us. Oh, Lord. We pray that as your word is opened, that the spirit will then empower your words. So that we will receive the encouragement that our souls need as your people this morning through Jesus Christ. and Father, we pray that for those among us who do not have this hope because they do not know Christ, that they will indeed repent of their sins and receive Christ as their Savior this morning. Because Christ is ready to receive all those who come to Him by faith. So be with me, Lord, as I share a little from my heart by dwelling upon Your Word. And may Your people be blessed through them. So I pray for all these things in the name of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, God's word gives us great encouragement for the year ahead. And the Apostle Paul's heart here in this verse matches my own. So if I was to summarize what Paul says here and make it my own. It would simply be to say this. May God richly bless us through Christ this year. May God richly bless our church through Christ this year we see this first in this verse in a prayer for God's blessing and that's then followed in this verse with the purpose of God's blessing. So to break down the verse we have a prayer for God's blessing followed with the purpose of Of God's blessing. And of course, here we have the Apostle Paul who is writing to the church of Rome. It's the capital city of the Roman Empire. But unlike many of Paul's other letters that we have in the New Testament, he didn't plant this church. He hadn't visited this church. And so throughout this letter, we find Paul encouraging the church of Rome with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which he summarizes in the first 11 chapters of Romans. But then he writes this church of what the gospel means in our lives and how we are to live beginning in Romans chapter 12 and through the end of the letter. You see, it's this gospel centeredness, which is why so many preachers love the book of Romans. It is an invaluable treasure of gospel riches for the church of Christ. That's why the great British preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones famously preached a 366-sermon series through the book of Romans, which was then turned into a 14-volume series of books. But John Piper wasn't far behind. This was his longest sermon series ever through the letter of Romans. 224 sermons, which took him over eight years to preach through. Now, We'll see if I ever follow in their footsteps. But here we come to a verse that Paul writes as he prepares to finish his letter. And as he does so, Paul has been writing really throughout Romans of how the gospel unites together Jews and Gentiles into one in Christ's body. And it's through this oneness of all mankind then that God's name will be glorified and worshiped. So in this chapter, Paul focuses on what this unity looks like in Christ's churches. When we follow Christ by serving others and by putting them first. And when this happens between Jews and Gentiles, the oneness of these diverse peoples united together then glorifies God who has kept his covenant promises to us. So as we come to this verse, Paul here is wrapping up this section in his letter by calling out to the Lord in prayer for his church. And we see this from his opening words there in verse 13. Now may. And when I use the word may, I ask, uh, I, I, I ask a question. I make a request, right? That's how we use this word. Think about it, children. Over the holidays, it's likely that you ate together with your family at the dinner table. But if you want to leave the dinner table, what do you ask my par- your parents? May I leave the table, please? Husbands and wives, if you want your, spice to, your spouse to do something, how do you ask? Now, I know different words may be used, but I have sometimes had my wife call me as I am out. And ask, will you stop at the store on the way home and pick some things up for me? She's basically asking, may you do this for me? Well, Paul here makes a request of God. He says, now may you, God. Because he both recognizes the church's need for help, and he knows that God is the only one who can help them in their time of need. But what gives Paul such confidence? You know, it's one thing to ask our parents for something. It's another thing to ask our uh, spouse for something. But it's another thing altogether to ask something from God. And so let's turn briefly then to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 to 16, where we see where this confidence comes from in prayer it's this confidence that comes through jesus christ and this is a confidence that is available to everyone who believes in christ so we read these encouraging words here in the book of hebrews hebrews 4 verse 14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." How then do we come boldly to the throne of grace? So Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, he is the one who offers the sacrifice of himself in our place. The very judgment we deserve for our sins comes upon God as he hangs upon the cross and the wrath of God is poured out upon Him. And so it's Christ who voluntarily offers Himself in our place that becomes our high priest to reconcile us with God so that God's throne is no longer a a throne of judgment. But it is a throne of grace. And our high priest... He's one who understands our struggles. He's gone through our temptations. And yet unlike us, he is the one without sin. And so it is in him that Paul has this confidence to make this request of God. It's the same confidence we then have in coming before the throne of grace we can come boldly to God in his throne of grace because Jesus the son of God is our great high priest what a high priest we have in Christ because it's through him that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need but what do these Christians in the church of Rome need they need hope They need hope. So looking back at Romans 15, verse 13, how does Paul describe God? He is the God of hope. What does it mean for God to be the God of hope? That he is the source of our hope. That he is the giver of our hope. Which is why we can have hope because of who God is. That God is holy and righteous and just. And He's also good and loving and trustworthy and true. So we can have this hope because God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are saved by His shed blood for us on the cross. So that we are forgiven of our sins. That we receive eternal life. And we live by the glorious hope of the blessings to come when Christ returns. So I ask you this morning, is this your hope? Is this your hope? Because without Christ, Scripture warns that there is no hope. There is no throne of grace. There's only the throne of judgment against your sin. So this morning, find your hope in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved by turning away from your sins in repentance and turning to Christ in faith. Because in Him, hope is found. And in Him, our hope continues. You see, as Christians, we are a people that live by hope. This is why hope is included in the triad of three graces by which Christians live in this world. What, what are the three? Faith, hope, and love what we read of in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 11 to 13, where Paul writes in light of our future with Christ. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Do you see then the importance and the centrality of hope in our lives? Or as Paul begins his first letter to the church of Thessalonica, In 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 2 and 3, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. So if you want to carry out an insightful biblical study this year, I would encourage you to consider studying the word hope as it's found in Scripture. See how often the word hope is used in Scripture and read these verses. Because they will reveal to you how important this hope is in our lives. And it's this hope that Christ's church needs. But what does Paul ask the God of hope to do for his church? We go on to see in verse 13... And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. He wants this church to have a fuller experience of these blessings in Christ. Now you may remember that joy and peace are included in the fruit of the Spirit. And so in Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia, Paul contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. But as he writes there in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. See, these virtues become more and more the way we live through the work of the Holy Spirit in our souls. And so while we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we believe, we also find through the book of Acts that there are fillings of the Spirit as we live the Christian life. And that's what Paul is praying for here. That these Christians in Rome are already experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in some measure. But Paul wants to fill them with all joy and peace. See, this church, like our own church, has been struggling. They're not experiencing the joy and peace which will uphold their souls. So there are likely fears on their minds, there are likely troubles in their hearts, there are likely hardships that are weighing down their souls. And Paul knows that they need this joy and peace. And he knows the one who will meet their need. So he prays for God to fill them with all joy and peace. May they experience the fullness of both of these blessings. But what is this joy? Well, our joy is to delight in the Lord and in His promises. And it's this joy, then, that gives us confidence, comfort, and contentment in all situations and struggles. How we may have more of this joy, brothers and sisters. Not only do we have this prayer for God to fill you with all joy, There's Also, the prayer that God will fill you with all joy and peace. Martin Luther here comments, the apostle places joy first and then peace because it is joy that gives peace to men, engendering it in their hearts. You see, peace is the overflow of joy in our lives. What then is this peace? It's an inner peace which calms our souls in the midst of life's storms. Of course, this peace is the result of, Of our peace with God, since Christ has reconciled us with Him. And it also manifests itself in peace between brothers and sisters in Christ in local churches. But it's this peace that this church needs. It's this peace that we all need. It's why Paul writes the church of Philippi in Philippians 4-7 that this peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what a blessing this peace of God is in our lives. But notice when Paul asks God to fill them with all joy and peace. He says, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In other words, these are blessings for those who are believing in Christ. These are blessings that are given to those who are trusting in Christ as we wait expectantly for His return when we will be free from all our struggles and all our suffering and we will live in His presence forever. Do you see then that while in Scripture we are commanded to be joyful and to live at peace with one another, that it is ultimately God who must work in us through Christ's grace to fill us with the joy and peace that He requires. And that as He fills us with joy and peace, He is glorified. So all that happens in our lives, brothers and sisters, is due to the grace of God. Jesus Christ. But here's the challenge that Christ's church is filled with sinners. Sinners who are saved by grace. It's still sinners, which means that disputes and divisions can arise among us. And that's what has taken place here in the Church of Rome. You know, God's adversary, Satan, would love nothing more than to destroy the oneness of of Christ's churches. And this is the danger Paul is addressing in this church because he recognized the importance of them remaining united together. And so he prays that God will fill them with all joy and peace as they trust in him. Rather than debate and divide over what food they can eat, what things they can drink, or other areas of Christian liberty where believers may disagree. Listen to how Paul writes of them back in chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. He says, Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Do you see then how this is what the kingdom of God looks like in the lives of its citizens? there is righteousness, there is peace, and there is joy. This is what we all need God to fill us with as we believe in Christ. So what a remarkable prayer we find here in this verse. And after everything we have gone through and with all of our struggles as a church, how we need the hope of God And the God of hope to fill us with all joy and peace in believing. This, brothers and sisters, is my sincere prayer for Cornerstone in 2021. That the God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace in believing. But not only do we have in this verse a prayer... For God's blessing, but we also go on to see the purpose of God's blessing. Why does Paul pray for the God of hope to fill them with all joy and peace in believing? That you may abound in hope, this verse says. Now, do you see then that Paul here expects God's filling to overflow? That's what it means to abound, to overflow. Now, when I fill a glass with water, if I don't stop pouring into it, what will eventually happen? The glass will overflow as the water brims over the top and pours down the sides. Well, this is the language that Paul is using here. That God will so fill us with all joy and peace that our hope will abound or Overflow. And so when we are filled with joy and peace, we will become a hope-filled people, even through our trials, through our troubles, through our tribulation. Do you see then how our souls cannot even contain the abundance and greatness of God's blessings in our lives? But they will flow out of us because of the riches of His grace. Now, we've already explored, of course, the importance of hope in this verse. But we see here how Paul wants this hope to abound in their lives. He wants hope to be overflowing from their hearts as they live in this world. Looking back at the previous verse, Romans 15, 12, Paul quotes from Isaiah 11 of the Jews and the Gentiles hoping in the root of, of Jesse, who is Jesus Christ. And it is this hope in Christ that praise will abound in Christ's churches. So when we think of hope, it is this hope in Christ. Yet, all too often, why do we struggle with our hope? Because when we hope, So often in this world, there's uncertainty, right? I hope something may happen. But I'm not sure that it will. There's no guarantee. In this world, our hopes are mixed with uncertainty. So I hope that my children will grow up to live full God honoring lives. But there's no guarantee. You hope that you'll get the job that you really want. But there's no guarantee. We hope that 2021 will be better than 2020. Yet there's no guarantee. But this hope is different. Because it is a hope which comes from the God of hope. And his word is sure and his promises will come true. So there's no need for doubt with this hope because all that God has promised to us in Christ through His Word is secure and certain. We will receive them. That's why R.C. Sproul writes that hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. I wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. Do you see then how Christians are fueled to live a future-focused faith where we hope in what is to come? That's why we read in Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen our hope is not found in this world but in the world to come which has been secured for us by Christ himself but turn with me to 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 to 3 where we learn more about this hope. So again, 1 John 3. Let's hear the heart here of the Apostle John's words to us. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has what? This hope, this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. This is our hope in the midst of this world of all that we will be with the return of Christ, of all that we will gain because Christ is our Savior. How blessed it is to be Christ. And I look forward to all that we will receive in him. So Paul prays they will be filled with all joy and peace and believing with a purpose that they may abound then in this hope. But how will their hope in God increase? Well, looking back at Romans 15, we see this through the end of the verse. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's by the power of the Of the one who fills us with his fruit. The Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Do you see then how this hope does not depend on us? Praise God that we don't need to somehow conjure up this hope in us. In the midst of our challenging circumstances or our struggling situations. But the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us to produce this abundance of hope. Once more, we see the Trinity here at work in these verses. In verse 12, Christ is the root of Jesse in whom the Gentiles show hope. Then in verse 13, God the Father is the one who fills us with all joy and peace in believing so that our hope will abound. And here the Holy Spirit powerfully causes the hope to abound in our lives. All three persons working for our hope. And if you look early in this chapter, you can even see how the Holy Spirit strengthens us with hope. Let's go back and read verse 4 together. Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patient and comfort of the Scriptures, might have what? hope see it's through the patience and comfort of the scriptures that we might have hope the spirit works through the scriptures to give us patience and comfort in our lives and brothers and sisters this is a hope that should saturate our souls Listen to how Paul writes of this glorious hope which God the Father provides through our faith in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. In Him, that is Christ, in Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So the Holy Spirit seals us to guarantee our inheritance when our redemption fully and finally comes. And again, this all is done for the praise of his glory and grace. See, I love how John Stott here summarizes the blessings which God gives us in this verse. Stott writes, If faith is the means to joy and peace, overflowing hope is their consequence. And all four are due to the power of the Holy Spirit within us. See, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that faith, joy, peace, and hope come into our lives. So this is my prayer for Cornerstone, because I want hope to overflow in our lives. You know, it's easy to look around us and be discouraged. We have serious challenges in the year ahead. But in the midst of our hardships, I am praying that we will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, may God richly bless us through Christ this year. May 2021 be a year that we richly experience the blessings of joy of peace and of hope in our lives as we draw close to Christ in faith. Again, let's hear the words from R.C. Sproul. He's so helpful here. He writes, The means of that filling, the means by which we experience joy and peace is through trusting in God. The more we trust God, the greater our joy, the greater our peace, and the greater we experience this hope that the Bible elsewhere calls the anchor of the soul. But the hope we experience as Christians is not a static thing. It is a hope that increases in its magnitude and in its proportion. As we grow in grace, the Holy Spirit works within us, increasing the depth, the breadth, and the intensity of that hope in our souls. Wouldn't it be great if this year the Holy Spirit worked in us to increase the depth, the breadth, and the intensity of hope in our souls? God says, this is my prayer for our church in this coming year. So let me do something a little differently here this morning. And let me close the sermon by offering a pastoral prayer for the year ahead. Let's go ahead and go once more to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, you are the God of hope. I thank you that Christ has brought our church together by saving us from our sins and uniting us together in his body. Because it's in him that our hope is found, and he is our hope as we wait for his return. Yet we are a church that has struggled in many ways, and we're a church which faces many more challenges before us. So let us not lose heart. While we may not know what lies ahead, I ask that our faith in Christ will remain firm and even increase through whatever may come. Fill us with all joy so that we will rejoice in Christ and live each day of this year delighting in God and trusting in Your promises. And may this joy also give us confidence, comfort, and contentment in the year ahead. Father, with this joy, stir up peace in our hearts. Please calm our souls in the midst of life's storms with the peace that surpasses all understanding. And through filling us with all joy and peace, may hope then overflow in our lives. Help us to have a future-focused faith with a steadfast hope in our eternal rest to come. Do not allow our past troubles or our present trials to take our eyes of faith off of Jesus and our future glory in him, but strengthen us in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit so that hope will abound among us throughout this year. May we grow through the patience and comfort of your scriptures as the Spirit renews our minds with its truth and transforms our lives through its revelation of Christ. Father, I ask that you will equip me this year to serve this church as a faithful minister who will proclaim your word publicly in our worship and apply your word privately in counseling the souls which you have entrusted to my care. Shepherd my soul as I seek to shepherd this flock that we may be a joy-filled and peace-filled church abounding in hope through 2021. I ask these things, Father, so you'll be glorified by Cornerstone Fellowship Church this year. And so I pray for all of these things in the name of our Savior and Jesus and, and hope, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.